Hi, this is Mary Swander. Welcome back to Ag Arts from Horse and Buggy Land. I hope you enjoy today's episode. So on my acreage near Free Martintown, I raise sheep and goats. And when you raise livestock, it's a lot of fun when they're babies and then they grow up and then you have the difficult task of either slaughtering them, butchering them yourself, or taking them somewhere to have that done. So I would choose to take my sheep to the local butcher. And here's a little section from my book called Out of This World, A Woman's Life Among the Amish, where I take my sheep one day to the great beyond. Donna, my neighbor, and I keep sheep in the pasture from March until October. These animals have short existences in comparison to the goats, whose lifespan are around 12 to 14 years. The sheep mow the grass, then provide a freezer full of organic meat for the winter. We approach the sheep with reverence, providing them with the best life we know how, realizing they will become part of our bodies soon enough that our contract with them is one of mutual dependence and nurturance. The day we take them to slaughter is grim, for try as we may not to get attached, we are still mindful of the weight of our deed. To cheer ourselves up and to cheer up the sheep, we make their last day as festive as we can, giving them extra corn and a little bit of hay before their trip to the butchers. Since we usually raise only two sheep, Donna thinks it's a waste of money to call Duane to transport them in his trailer, so offers the back seat of her hatchback. Besides, Donna recalls the last time Duane hauled Bob's cattle to the sale barn. She had been sleeping and was awakened by the sound of May Chaddock's voice. Ah, that gate, that gate don't look like it's shut, May Chaddock yelled to me from the grove where she'd gone early one morning for morel hunting. She pointed toward the back of Duane's trailer as he drove away toward town, faces of black Angus cattle visible behind the bars. Uh-oh, 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 yep, there they go, there they go. One by one, the cattle slipped out the trailer gate and spilled onto the road, wandering off through Donna's yard. Donna looked out her bedroom window to find one grazing on her flower bed. But Donna, are you sure you want those sheep in your car? I asked. Nothing could hurt that clunker, she said. In they go, propped on their haunches, mesmerized and playing statue the way they do when they're sheared. We strap seat belts around their middles, plop straw hats on their heads, and offered them one last cigarette before we sped down the gravel road, their long ears and black faces bobbing in the rearview mirror.
And here's Paul Roberts from the Great Bluegrass Herons taking hogs for sale. We sell about everything here, sheep, hogs, goats, turkeys, chickens. And you'll hear what happens to him getting those hogs all the way to market. Take it away, Paul. Well, I had seven hogs, don't you know, last of the litter and ready to go, so Dad put the rack in the truck and back to the chute. The moon was new, so they loaded good, just the way they always should, except for the one with the long and pointy snoot. He was a spotted Duroc Hamp York, but I'm not sure he was all pork. He might have been part key or maybe gazelle. With a lot of coercion, a little bit of luck, he went right on into the truck, but I ended up pretty well covered. Selling hogs, selling hogs, they were selling hogs. Now when we headed out for Stringtown, well, Dad made me roll the window down because he said I was a little bit too strong. And I had to admit I smelled like sin, but right about then we pulled into a place called the Wacko Hog Market. Selling hogs, selling hogs, they were selling hogs. Now for those of you unfamiliar with the Tiariatory, the Wacko Hog Market is sandwiched in between Stringtown on the east and Cheeseburg on the west. Cheeseburg being about four miles north of Kelowna on Highway 1 and called Cheeseburg on account of the cheese factory there and the residents of the town being referred to as Cheeseburgers accordingly. Well, we had to get these hogs off the truck. Well, six unloaded swine style, that's all at once and not single file, but the seventh one was determined to go south. And for the duration of this oration, I will refer to that same seventh pig as Super Pig. Well, he climbed up over the top of the rack, onto the cab, and didn't look back. He slid down the windshield of the bumper and onto the ground. Now, I must have known that caution pays. He went to the road and looked both ways, and he went west on W67. Selling hogs, selling hogs, they were trying to sell hogs. Now, he was clear out of sight, quick as a wink, because he was faster than you might think, but I caught up when he was standing still. He was face to face with a Texas gal, a tourist woman, the name of Sal, and they just stood there eyeballing one another. There was only about a yard between. He was dirty and she was clean. I didn't know just what was gonna happen other than maybe some lead guitar. Well, she blinked first and shrieked to fright, old super pig. He took a right through the open door of the cheese factory. I ran to the door and I looked in, old Super Pig was wearing a grin and staring at a great big vat of curds and whey. Now on the other side is Pig from me, who do you suppose that I would see? Nobody else but Sid Rowland. He was standing there with a look of surprise, shock and horror in his eyes and he dropped the bag of cheese curds in his hand. Well I said Sid, Sid said say, the pig saw Sid and turned away, came straight at me, sort of full bore. About this point in my life, I realized I was having an experience that few people around the world ever have. I was riding backwards on a large, very dirty hog through the entryway of a cheese factory at a high rate of speed, and I was riding double with a woman named Sal from the great state of Texas. However, this did not last long, believe you me. 
Well, when I got up, I saw my dad just standing there and looking mad. No super pig was gonna try and get by him. He faked right once, but dad didn't bite. He faked again, but he didn't try it. Then he went left and dad fell on top of him. I jumped on dad and they both went down. Sal came over and piled on. The four of us just laid there in the parking lot. Now when Sid finally finished his cheese curds, he came over and jumped on too. I tell you, there was Eichelburgers and cheeseburgers coming to help. There was tourists coming and going and getting in the way. There, there was one guy from the university saw us laying there in a heap and the cement took a picture of us because he thought we was some kind of artwork. Well, things get pretty foggy then. I'm just not sure what happened when, but I do know that I took a check home. Selling hogs, selling hogs, they were selling hogs, selling hogs, selling hogs, selling hogs. This is Mary Swander with Ag Arts from Horse and Buggy Land. And now I'm going to tell you my story about taking cattle to market. First, you need to know that I'm a magnet for animals. Stray cats come and have litters of kittens under my garden shed. Stray ducks make nests under my porch. And a couple weeks later, little ducklings are quacking all over the yard. Stray dogs take up residence in a stray dog house that I have just for them. They're my visiting canines in residence. And stray cattle come and are suddenly in my front yard. And I've learned to just open the pasture gate and shoo them in. And then within a few hours, some neighbor will drive by and see them and load them up. In fact, if somebody loses a critter around the neighborhood, the other neighbors say, well, first you need to check at Mary's. So one day in the summer, I had a desire to go to the prairie. I have a little strip of prairie at my place, but I was really longing to be you know, in the middle of the prairie where you could really have a hard time seeing your way out. And there's no better person to go to the prairie with than my friend Lori because she's an ecologist and has real expertise on the prairie and knows every plant and every grass and every butterfly and every bird in the prairie. So I called her up and she said, oh, sure, you'd like to go on a field trip with me? I said, yes. And she told me where to meet her and uh, not far from Free Martin Town, and I got out my jeans and I tucked my end of my pant legs inside my boots and I had my long shirt on and I had insect repellent and I met Lori at the prairie and we just had a wonderful time walking around and she had all these guidebooks and she showed me evening primrose uh, plant and different prairie sunflowers and big blue stem grasses, and the sun was shining. It was just a lovely day. It was hot. It was a summer day, but not too hot. So, you know, 
I wasn't sweating. It was just it was just beautiful. And I thought, oh, isn't this lovely? You know, and I was imagining, you know, the pioneers and uh, walking through the prairie and what they uh, would see and think. And we identified butterflies and just you know we were there. Oh, an hour, an hour and a half, and then we decided that we would leave and go have some lunch. So we were walking out of the prairie, and I was in front of Lori, and all of a sudden she said, oh no, Mary, stop. And I'm like, what, 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 what? And it turned out that my entire back of my shirt was covered in ticks. I'm like, oh no. And she said, okay, Mary, and there's nothing, le- there's nothing to do but take off all your clothes. And we were at a car by that time. She said, just take off all your clothes and we'll throw them in a bag in my trunk and I have some old gym clothes in the car and you can put those on. I just take off everything. It's like, okay, okay. And I know these ticks now, you can start to feel them. Then I'm wiggling out of my jeans. Oh my gosh, I gotta get it out of these jeans. Gotta get it out of these jeans. I got ticks all over everywhere. And so I take off my jeans and then underwear. Lori said, Mary, everything off. And there's clearly ticks all crawling all over my underwear, crawling everywhere. And I'm, okay, so I'm totally out of my clothes then. And I'm standing there and I felt like a presence behind me. And Lori said, oh, Mary. And I, I didn't know what she was talking about, but I turned around and I was face to face with a heifer. And then I began to see that in the distance there were cattle coming up the road with cowboys driving them up the road and a teenage boy on a four-wheeler coming up the road. And I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I gotta get back in the I gotta get back in my clothes. I gotta get get back in my tick clothes. And so I started throwing on my clothes again. Oh my gosh, I'm standing here naked in the middle of the road. I'm throwing on my jeans, trying to wiggle in my jeans again, throwing on my t-shirt. And the cattle drive was getting closer and closer. And the cowboys were moving the cattle up the road. Yeah, yeah. And the teenager on the four wheel. <laughs> bring the kettle up and then there were border collies and they were herding the cattle and then there was a little poodle dog I don't know what that was about but it was a little poodle dog and of course the poodle dog came to me and sat right at my feet but the cattle are coming the cattle are coming up the road and they take one look at me standing there and they part and they go, half of them go into the prairie, and the other half go into the soybean field across the road. And then that just created a huge problem for the cowboys. Yeah, yeah, get, 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 yeah, yeah. And they're trying to round them up, and they're kicking the sides of their horse with their boots. And the border collies are running around, brum, 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 little teenagers doing his thing, trying to herd the cattle, and it's all very frantic, and the cattle are ju- jumping this way and that, and they're wandering around, and they're eating and grazing, some of them, the wildflowers and the rare grasses in the prairie, 
and we were frantically trying to move these horses on down the road, and I got these ticks crawling up and down my back, and it's tick I'm in my tick clothes. And finally, the cowboys get the horses and on their horses, and they get the cattle rounded up and back into a you know a clump that they're into the herd that they're uh, steering them down the road, guiding them down the road, and I'm like. Phew. They're gone. Oh, this is great. They're finally gone. The horses are on down the road. But the poodle, that little poodle, is still at my feet. I'm like, okay, hello, poodle. And Lori said, okay, Mary, now just get out of those clothes. Get out of those clothes. And I'm like, okay, get out of the clothes. Get out of the clothes. Off goes the t-shirt. Off go the socks again. Wiggle, 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 out of the jeans, out of the jeans, out of the jeans, take off these tick clothes, and I just have the tick clothes on the ground, and I, and I go, okay, where are the gym clothes? i got to get into the gym clothes. When? Brum, 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 up comes a teenager on the four-wheeler down the road, and I, I'm standing there once again, naked, in the middle of the road, and this Midwestern teenage boy looks at me as if... Uh, you know, this is a normal thing to be looking at a naked woman on the side of the road. And he says, uh, I don't want to lose my dog. He belongs to my, you know, mom, and he always tags along. And I'm like, okay, well, you got a little problem there. And I'm standing there naked on the road. And he says, have you seen a little poodle? And I looked up at him, and in my own flat Midwestern way, as if nothing out of the ordinary was happening, I said, yes, the dog is right here by my feet. It's time to read and browse through Plain Interests, which is the Amish newspaper. It comes out of Howe, Indiana, H-O-W-E, and Amish write into Plain Interests from all over the United States. My favorite column in the Plain Interests is a, a little box called Emergency Please Help. And uh, this is where people write in um, questions and answers, and they add, write in for help uh, for certain things. And for example, um, last month, someone wrote in saying, where do I get covers for my rocking chairs? The Amish have these beautifully handmade rocking chairs. And, uh, and the, here's the answer from the, from the question from last time. Rocking chair covers can be bought from thus and so. Or somebody even said, hey, I'll make you some covers. Just let me know. So taking... Livestock to auction is a frequent theme of plain interest. And what caught my attention uh, today in this issue was uh, a piece about turkeys. And I don't know if you know anything about raising turkeys, but um, the, the adage is there's only one thing dumber than a turkey, and that's the person who raises them. And I found that out myself. I um, 
as a young woman on my acreage, I, I was all gung-ho. I had a, I had a coop and I was going to raise birds and they, my Amish neighbors very kindly told me, now Mary, you don't want to mix species in the coop. Like you don't want to, you know, have turkeys and then have chickens or something like that and, have, and expect them all to go into the same coop and get along. I thought, ah, birds and birds, I'm going to raise what I want to raise. And uh, so I had uh, turkeys, ducks, and geese in that coop. And uh, they, you know, as little chicks, they were all getting along fine. I said, see, these Amish, they don't know what they're talking about. And then as the ducklings got a little bigger, it was especially the ducklings, they very quickly found that they could duck under the fence and go over and swim in Donna's pond. I had a little swimming pool for them all set up and with nice fresh water, they didn't, uh, they totally turned down their beaks at that, and they ducked under the fence and just were, you know, just having a wonderful time in that pond floating around. And, and then I saw the turkeys, and the turkeys, they somehow, imprinted on the ducks. So wherever the ducks went, the turkeys followed. That was kind of the way it was going. And they were like, we can just we can just slip under that fence and we can follow the ducks. And so they just went loop under the fence and followed the ducks right on into the pond. Well, ducks swim, turkeys did not. And so they started drowning. And uh, I looked out the window and I saw these drowning turkeys. And I thought, oh my God, all my turkeys are drowning. And so I quick grabbed a butterfly net. I hopped over the fence and I had to fish the turkeys out of the pond with the butterfly net and take them back into the coop and dry them off. And then I had to lock them up whenever the ducks went swimming. So I finally had to admit that my neighbors were right. You should not mix species in a coop. And that's it today, folks, for this episode from Ag Arts from Horse and Buggy Land. We've been recording from our studios in sunny downtown Free Martintown, and we've had technical and musical assistance today from Marco Caccio. We've had support from the Werner Ellathorpe Fund at the Oregon Community Foundation, and we would welcome your support. Clicking that red button on our website, agarts.org. Like us on Facebook at AgArts, and follow us on Instagram at agartsusa.